Welcome to Christian Natural Health with naturopathic Dr. Lauren DeVille. Christian Natural Health is the podcast on how to get and stay healthy God's way. You'll hear topics on nutrition, exercise, sleep, avoiding toxicity, meditating on scripture, what supplements to take, stress management, defeating anxiety and worry, how to reconcile Eastern medicine approaches with Christianity and a whole lot more. Now, here's your host, Dr. Lauren. Welcome back to another episode of Christian Natural Health. Today, I am excited to have Norm Wielsch with us. Norm was an agnostic police officer for over 25 years. He was exposed to many traumatic incidents and diagnosed with PTSD. Then he was diagnosed with an incurable debilitating muscular neuromuscular disease and had over 25 surgeries in 10 years. He was prescribed opiates for the pain and soon began to abuse the opiates to relieve the negative emotions of PTSD. After that, his daughter was diagnosed with liver tumors and the prognosis was poor. This placed him in a downward spiral that led him to make some very poor decisions that led to a 14-year prison sentence. He responded to God's calling, and through divine intervention, his daughter and he were both healed. He spent over eight years in federal prison, where he co-pastored the church and taught how God heals PTSD. In prison, he obtained a master's degree in theology and counseling, and then a doctorate in Christian counseling. He went on to become a registered addiction counselor and pastoral care provider in a residential treatment facility. He wrote a book called Christ-Centered Healing of Trauma, Healing a Broken Heart, and a a small group study guide to go with it, and both are on sale now. Welcome, Norm. Thank you very much for joining us. Oh, thank you. I'm honored for um, being able to speak to you. Yeah, what a story. So flesh it out for a little bit, bit if, if you would. What was your spiritual life like when you were a police officer before all this started? There was none, right? I grew up um, in a Christian home, but like most Christians, maybe on Christmas Eve, we would go to church and that was it. Other than that, we we never practiced Christianity. And when I became a police officer, I saw so much death and destruction that I truly believed in my heart there was no God because how could a kind, loving God allow all this, you know, uh, death and and abuse, especially to children, happen? So I, I had no spiritual life whatsoever. Right. Yeah. And that's kind of the big stumbling block for an awful lot of people when they walk away from the Lord or when they don't believe in him. So uh, you described this downward spiral. So during that time, looking back, do you feel like God was kind of prodding you and calling you the whole time? You know, that's really funny. I thought about that. Yeah. I believe that during my whole life, God was calling me. He would put people in my life to, to tell me the gospel. Right. But I had this wall up that prevented me from listening. I didn't, you know, just like it says in Corinthians, I I just didn't listen. I didn't accept it. I believe that we're, because of the fall, we're all so hardened, right? And and we just don't believe until we see it or until it happens to us in our lives. I used to make fun as a police officer, used to make fun of people when they went to jail, all of a sudden they would be religious, right? Those jailhouse conversions. (laughs) Now people are saying it about me, you know, oh yeah, really, he's not really, But I realized that you got to be down at your worst time in your life in order for you to look up, you know? So, but I do see it now. I do see people that were put in my path and Mm -hmm. um, certain things happened that I just couldn't explain. I mean, there was times when there was this one time just real quick is I stopped this car like at two, three in the morning and something told me, Hey, go around to the passenger side. Don't, don't go to the, you know, driver's side, like, you know, police normally do on a traffic stop. So I snuck up and because all the lights from the police car, they couldn't see in behind. 
and when I looked in, the guy had had a gun and he was he was ready to shoot me. And um, so luckily we got the the jump on him. But in in the in the jail, he said he was going to to shoot me to get away. So I think that was definitely God saying, "Hey, go to this side." <clears throat> you know, one more distinct time I, I heard his voice was the day that I committed my crime. I heard a voice in my head saying, stop it, stop it. Look, they're the police. That's a cop right there. And he's watching you. And it, it was, and um, it's amazing how we shut off those things. And we, we think that we're smarter than everybody else. Right. We think that we can do it on our own. Look, I, you know, I've been doing this a long time. I can do this on my own, but, but we really can't. Oh, absolutely. So, wow. There's some really specific moments there. So what was your rock bottom moment? Like when did that happen for you? The day of my arrest and, and sitting in a suicide cell in the county jail oh my gosh. Uh, was, yeah, it, it was, um, I can't even explain how, how horrible that, that felt. And not because I got caught, because where I was, right, I was, and it was my own actions that brought me there. And a lot of times, you know, human beings have a hard time admitting their faults, right. you know, you say, well, you know, okay, yeah, I've done that, but, but look at that guy over there. You know, Not he's worse than, worse than me, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But sin has a way of creeping up on you, you know? So when you start an activity, you're, you're the first time you commit a sin, you're really worried that someone will see you. And then the, the more you go on with it, the more your conscience gets seared. And pretty soon, you know, you, you don't even think about it anymore. So when you're making stupid mistakes, uh, making poor decisions, one after another, pretty soon, you don't even think about it anymore. And all of a sudden, bam, the world comes crashing down on you. Yeah. So um, when you had that rock bottom moment, was it like you suddenly saw things differently? Like, was there, was, was there a veil that came off or what was that? No, that no not at that time. Yeah. What happened was um, I bailed out. Excuse me. I got <clears throat> allergies today really bad. Um, I bailed out and, and went home. And my dad was friends with a pastor and I guess they had talked because I was about one week out of jail. And of course, you know, I was sitting on the couch and I was borderline crying. I mean, my life was just shattered. Right. And this pastor calls up, I I didn't know him. And he says, hi, my name is uh, pastor Jeff is pastor Jeff Kenny. He was from new hope international church at that time. And he said, I got your number from um, your father. And I just wanted to let you know that we're here for you. Anything you need, you, you know, if you come to church, we'll, we got counseling here and we can, you know, put, um, make you feel better. Right. And because of my, I don't want to say disdain, but my, um, my unbelief inside my mind, I'm going, yeah, okay. Yeah. 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 You know, trying to blow them off. Right. But of course my mom told me to always be nice to people. So I was <laughs> nice to them. Uh-huh. I was trying to blow them off. And he said, well, I'd like to invite you to church. I said, well, you know, not right now, uh, you know, may, maybe in a few weeks or so. And then he said, well, before I hang up, can I pray for you? I said, sure. You know, in, in my mind of all, like, knock yourself out, you know, and I'm yeah, like yeah. looking around and watching TV, trying to see the TV. <clears throat> but he, he prayed the sinner's prayer. And I didn't know what that was. Right. And at the end, he goes, do you um, make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior? And I said, sure. You know, I didn't really mean it in the heart, but said, sure. Well, that's yeah, a way to do it. Okay. You're, you're, you're invited always to our church. He told me where it was. I said, okay. So I went back to the couch. I sat next to my wife and she looks at me on a funny look on her face, right? She goes, what's wrong? 
and I thought about it for a second. I go, nothing. What? What, what? what do you mean? She goes, I don't know. Something different. And then I sat and thought about it. I thought, you know, it's like a, a weight kind of lifted off my shoulders a little bit. Uh-huh. And she said, well, she, she grew up Catholic and, and she was a Christian all her life. But because of my views, my strong views that she really never brought up um, Christianity or, or, or church. And I thought to myself, well, you know, something maybe is is different. I, I don't know. I can't put my finger on it. And she said, well, maybe we need to go to church. And I said, okay, well, why don't we try it? What the heck? You know, let's try it. But at that time, all, all my stuff was all over the news, right? Um, it, it was because I was so, I was a high ranking officer. So everything was on the news, uh, 48 hours, um, you know, all these TV shows. So I was really ashamed to, to go anywhere. And I had a difficult time doing that. But when we walked into that church, it, it, it was such a calming effect, right? It was uh, so it's unexplainable. And when I looked around, I, I got all dressed up, right? Because I'm thinking I, I'm going to church. I got to put on a nice shirt, you know, in slacks and everything. And I come in there and I see guys in shorts and their their hats on sideways. Guys are tattooed up, you know, uh, necks and faces are all tattooed. And I thought to myself, oh my gosh, what am I getting myself into, you know? But they all came over and hugged me. I mean, I don't think they really knew who I was. I, I don't think it was, but they welcomed us with such um, love that it was, it was incredible. It was really incredible. You know, in the police culture, you think that the guys you work with are, are your family, are the tightest people that you're with, thick or thin. We, we got you. I'm going to say, I'm going to save you. When this happened, man, it was like crickets. No, no, nobody came. All the police departments ordered because I, I work countywide. Yeah. So all the police departments told them all not to talk to me, you know, not to return my calls or, or anything. Wow. So this, the people in this church were better to me than my own friends that we've been through thick and thin for thick and thin for years together. Yeah. Um, and during dangerous and traumatic situations, everybody left me hanging except for one guy, but um, they all left me hanging. So that's when I started going to church and I, there was teaching us how to pray and all this. And then my daughter, she was going to get a biopsy. She had liver tumors and they were going to do a biopsy. And it was a big thing because they had to have the surgical team ready because the liver tumor was one big tumor was over the artery. And so if it burst um, and it was cancerous, if it was cancerous, they would have to do surgery right away. So that was a real stressful event. And, you know, I've been, I was talking to the pastor there for, you know, I was doing some counseling there and and attending um, small groups and stuff. It was funny. One day the Holy Spirit told him to stop the sermon. I mean, mid sermon, he just stopped. He looks over at me and he goes, I want to pray right now for Norm's daughter. And the whole congregation prayed for, for her healing. And I, I, I mean, I, I never cried. We, we were taught not to cry. You know, it's I, my dad was a military guy yeah. and all from the police academy. You're taught don't don't cry. You got to shove your feelings you know, down. You can't show any emotion because if you go to a scene and you start crying, <laughs> no one's going to tr- trust that you can handle the situation. Yeah. Right. Of course. So I always stuff my, my, my stuff down. And um, it, w- it was just an amazing feeling. And about a week later, we did the biopsy. About two weeks later, the report come back. And in the do- doctor said, hey, we got to do another scan. So, you know, I, I just want to make sure of something. I said, okay. So she did another. And she was 24 at this time. So she wasn't a baby, but she was 
she was an adult, but still she's my baby, you yeah. know, she's my baby. And they did another scan. We came back a few hours later and um, he, he put the both, both scans up on, on the, you know, that lighted thing. And he showed us the old one, which was all, it was dark spots where all the um, uh, tumors were. And this one was truly clean. And he said, um, the biopsy comes back normal liver tissue. And, and see the, the flesh came back to me, right? I started getting really angry. And I said, you, you don't know what you put me through. Your misdiagnosis of this, you know, caused, caused me to go in a spiral. He goes, no, no, no. And he showed me some um, secondary reports from UCLA Medical Center. And at that point, I realized that God healed her. I mean, it, it was, and at that point. You have the pictures <laughs> to prove it. I, I, yeah. And at that point, I thought, okay, there is a God. Because I guess I was on the fence the whole time, you know. But at that time, and then right, right from there, I was on fire. And um, I started studying the Bible more and um, putting my hope and my faith in him more than ever. And um, it, I, I never looked back. I mean, wow. he's been since that time. He's been so great in my life that I, I just I, that's why I had to write this book. Right. I had to tell my story because I, I don't think people would believe it if I just told them. But I, it's it's the God's honest truth. And it's amazing. It is an incredible story. So, wow. So the, your daughter's healing was pretty amazing and quick. What about yours for the PTSD? What was that process like? Well, mine took a lot longer, but, but God was working in my life. So I was out on bail for like two years and then they put me into a, uh, the county jail during my, my, um, my pleading process. So I was in county jail almost a year, but they put me in a suicide cell. And that is the yeah. worst thing you could do to a human being that isn't suicidal. Yeah. And in my wife, truly believed in her heart that I was going to, to do something. And, um, I was, I was down and, um, so I can't, I can't be angry at her, but what that did also is it made me, it gave me a chance to, to study more. And they only let us out for one hour every three days, <clears throat> which was really something I, I never knew. I mean, I never worked in a jail and I always assumed that the government kind of is doing the right thing. But this is just horrific that keeping people in, in these cells for three days at a time, one hour out, you know, it's crazy. Wow. But what they did is they ended up putting me out with the, the mentally ill um, patients and it would be separated by a chain link fence. And this is where I got to start learning about other people's trauma. And I just I just enjoyed hearing the stories of how they got there. Right. In the police academy, they never teach why people do the things they do right they they say okay they committed a crime it's black and white right either you're a criminal or you're not a criminal period and, and that's what cops face every day but there's so much gray area that you never think about unless you really put into a position like this and i thank god for putting me in the position now to see both sides so anyway this is i learned um, about more about trauma about why guys were doing the things that they were doing how they grew up you know, how their drug addiction started and such. So it was truly a, a, a good experience in the, in the bigger picture, yeah. not at that time, but at the bigger picture. <laughs> so they promised, the government promised to keep me in California where, where I'm at. And of course they didn't, they sent me to uh, Fort Worth, Texas, a prison of Fort Worth, Texas. Yeah. And I was angry about it, but God, God put me there because the first day I was there, I walked into the chapel 
and the cha chaplain offered me a job. He goes, hey, you want a job? You know, come in here. And it turned out there was a couple of cops already working in there. And I was really didn't realize how many cops were in prison, but there was quite a few. Really? Interesting. But that was, he was orchestrating everything. So I'm working at the chapel and the Tyndale Theological Seminary came in there and taught classes. Mm -hmm. So I go, okay, I, I see what you're doing. I see what you're doing. I started taking the classes. That's where I got my master's degree. Yeah. And um, the chaplain there allowed me and another guy to um, to counsel inmates there because they weren't really big on counseling. But I was going through my own counseling. The, the, the Bureau of Prisons um, provided me a, a psychologist to take care of my PTSD. But I wasn't healing. I mean, they did some good things. Secular counseling, it has its, its good, good points. And really, it saved my life at the very beginning by teaching me good coping skills. And that's what the prisons did, too. They taught me good coping skills. But there was no healing. Right. Yeah. So they said, OK, well, if you have an anxiety attack, what you do is you stomp your foot on the ground real hard and rub your foot right into the ground and the, your, it'll take your mind off of what you're doing. It worked, you know, but yeah. again, there's no healing. So one day I, the chaplain calls me in the office and go, hey, I want you to meet somebody. And this was a, an ex-police officer from LAPD who had had done some some pretty bad things. Right. And he was on his. I think his 14th year of an 18 year sentence. And he was already in the a minimum security uh, prison, which in, in the federal system, there's no fences, right? You, you go to work, you do your thing and you come back. And they, for, for um, a minor incident that, that he had with another inmate, that they, they sent him back to the um, low prison where I was at. Okay. And it turns out that um, he had been taught some, what they call it um, from Elijah House Ministries in um, Idaho, okay. he had learned some, it's called inner healing, right, from, from some other, um, other pastors when he was in county jail. And he had ended up having to shoot and kill a couple people. Um, he'd been shot like three different times. They're all legitimate shootings, you know, nothing nefarious or anything. Yeah. But it really profoundly affected him where he started um, drinking a lot and, and using drugs, you know, real, real drugs, not, not pills like I use, but real drugs. Right. And it ended up getting him caught up with some, it's kind of the same thing I did with, with stealing drugs and trying to um, um, give it to somebody else. Yeah. But when he came in and he started talking, he, I mean, he was, was just phenomenal. He saved my life. I mean, he really did because he started teaching me how our sin in our lack of repentance for these sins cause chaos in our system. Right. And, and when we're not in, in alignment with God's will, how our negative emotions just pop up. So in other words, it's God that's telling us, Hey, you need to deal with this. If you have a nightmare and I had nightmares every night, you have a nightmare. God is telling you, you need to, to deal with this. And most of the time we handle things in a, in a sinful manner. So when we started working together, it took about four, six months. And all of a sudden I, I was feeling a lot better because each time that I had judged a, um, a criminal, um, somebody who did something wrong, I judged them. I had some judgments on my, on my father. Um, I had, you know, just a, a lot of issues that everybody goes through. Right. But we have to do like a spiritual cleaning, right? We, we got to, because, because, some people say, well, yeah, when you come to the Lord, all your sins are forgiven. Yes, that's true. But what happens in an hour when you sin again, that, that sin is not forgiven, right? So we need to go 
um, forward and, and re- repent for that sin. And it's a simple process of just looking at your history, saying, okay, God, I'm sorry that, that I did this. I'm, you know, I did this, I did this, just acknowledging what, what you did. And it kind of wipes the slate clean, right? And it, you return back to fellowship with him. And when you return back to fellowship with him, that's when the, sin, the blessings start coming. And when I kind of wiped the slate clean from, um, his name was Ruben Palomares. When, when he helped me do this, my, my negative symptoms of the PTSD started going away. And as of today, I think it's been eight years now where I have not had a negative PTSD symptom. I mean, I still remember everything. So God like didn't forget it, but the power it had over me in nightmares and anxiety attacks and stuff is gone. It was just, it was amazing. It was truly amazing. And um, so we started helping other inmates there. And a lot of them were, um, um, had child victims. But when you listen to these guys, I mean, I know that most people believe they're the worst of the worst. And I I guess you could argue that they are, but we don't know how they grew up, right? When you talk to a man who says that at five years old, his uncle raped him and that that he was basically the the party favor for a bunch of these, his friends, you know, you you see where they're coming from, right? It's, we all, how we believe, what we believe is how we behave. So if he believes that he's a loser, he believes that he's just um, a piece of meat and stuff, you know, that's when he's going to end up causing problems for the community. But I'm not saying it's not his fault. I I mean, I'm not going there. But I think that we've got to understand why people start doing things the way that they do so that maybe we can kind of prevent that in the future. But, But anyway, it was through that process that I was healed. I didn't really think about it at the time, but after a few years now of, of, of being healthy and emotionally happy, I hated myself. I, I attempted suicide twice before my arrest. I, now life is, is different. I see it from a different perspective, you know, and I think that's what getting closer to God does for you. You see life from a different perspective. Absolutely. And that's fascinating that you're describing the emotional symptoms just like physical symptoms, they're signs to something that needs to be dealt with. They're not the disease itself. They are pointing you to something that needs to be addressed that's mm-hmm. triggering them from coming underneath. Once you deal with that, with the Holy Spirit's help, then there's freedom. I love it. That's yeah, no, it's awesome. And, and the funny thing is, this is, this is not just for cops, right? This is for everybody because everybody has been through a traumatic event or maybe not a, a traumatic, but an overwhelming life event. Even a divorce can be an overwhelming life event. But what we do as people since the fall, right? We, we, we know that there's something missing in our heart and we, we fill it with alcohol, gambling, drugs, food, sex, whatever the case may be, but it's God shaped. So only a close relation with God is going to make that heart, heart whole, right? Mm-hmm. And that's going to give us the, the peace that we're looking for. But most of us fail to see it that way because we're all, hey, I can do this on my own. I don't need no help, you know. And then there's questions like we talked about earlier was, you know, if if God, um, why why does God stop pain and suffering? Why doesn't he, you know, just make everything great? But in reading the Bible and understanding God himself, you know, we'll, we'll never understand that. And um, I truly believe that we, we need to know him and we need to know who we are in his eyes, mm-hmm. right? I'm just finishing a book now of why God allows suffering. 
and I'm, I'm going to put that on my website for free here in a, in a few weeks, but it's, it's a, we need to understand God's reasons for the things he does. And not, and not that I know his reasons, but I'm saying, but by studying the Bible, you can learn lessons and I'm going to try to depict those lessons. Great. So from the book, the, the Christ-centered healing of trauma, can you give us, I think you kind of have a couple of the pearls in there. Is it mostly get like your stories or do you give step-by-steps for people to kind of walk through the journey with the Holy Spirit? What is that like? Yeah, it, it's more step-by-step. So at the beginning, I'll, I'll just tell them what happened to me. Okay. And then the, the next chapter goes into what PTSD is, what, what trauma is, and how it affects the body. Because there's physical reactions too, you know, back aches, neck aches, you know, um, sicknesses, illnesses, because the, the amount of cortisol that's dumped in your system when you're in a stressful situation can cause autoimmune disease and all sorts of different other ailments. So I go into that a little bit, but then I go into a real deep Bible study of the healing scriptures that are in the Bible, because I think if we don't, like I said, understand who God is, right. And what he's done for us, we can't understand the sacrifice that, that Jesus made in order for us to be healed. And so I think that's one of the most important things. So it goes into the gospel. It goes into, you know, how Jesus is our sacrifice and why we should believe it. I even have a few pages there of um, why we should believe the Bible, you know, go into a little bit of um, evolution versus um, um, uh, yeah, creationism. And then after that, I'll go into the steps. I'll, I'll pretty much explain our emotions, you know, what they are and, and what we feel and how they come upon us. And um, then I go into um, things that block our blessings, you know, like being envious, you know, a spirit of envy, a spirit of unforgiveness, all these things can block our healing because it puts us out of um, fellowship with God. And then towards the end, I got a, a series of prayers that I actually have, they're free on my website, but a bunch of prayers to reveal um, unforgiveness, to reveal past trauma, to heal trauma, um, to look at generational sins, all the, all these things. And, um, cause we really need to look back. Our, our history tells us our future. Yeah. So it's like they have studies now of, of alcoholics where if your parent is an alcoholic, you have this gene. And if you turn on this gene by starting to drink, it's, it's natural. You're going to be an alcoholic, you know? So, so we got to learn about our past when we move on to our future. Sure. Yeah. That's amazing. So is there anything I have not asked you that you want to make sure you leave with our audience? No, I, I don't think so. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think that the important point is here, you can heal. Yes. You know, there is healing. We go through life thinking, okay, this is, this is just going to be part of my life from now on, you know, and some people get comfortable with it. Some people believe, you know, Hey, it's just part of life. Life sucks, you know? And um, the people will tell you, uh, just pull yourself up from your bootstraps. Stop it. Be happy. Smile. You know, it, it doesn't work that way because God designed us with these emotions for purposes, right? But we use these, these negative emotions for different reasons, right? Because what we want to do is we want to stop the emotions. So what we do is we go to our crutch like alcohol or drugs and um, any other kind of behave, addictive behavior, which makes us feel good for a short time. But in the long run, you're, we're never going to be happy until we have that close relationship with, with God. Yeah. And I just want, want to make sure that everybody knows there is healing. There is possibility of healing. Yeah. It's just that connection. That's so important. So where can people go to learn more about you? 
Okay, my website is www.christ-centeredhealing.com. And that'll tell more about me. I'll talk about the book. And you can um, go through um, the website there to buy the book. And um, it has some other information on law enforcement, culture, and um, about healing. So that, that's the main thing. I'm on Facebook, too, at uh, Christ-Centered Healing. Awesome. So I will link in the show notes to that so people can find you. And thank you so much, Norm. This has been fantastic. Thank you. It was an honor. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Christian Natural Health. This show is run by you. So please write in with topic and guest suggestions for future shows. For more great content, subscribe to Dr. Lauren's blog at www.drlaurendeville.com. Or follow her on Facebook or Twitter at Dr. Lauren DeVille. If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to share it with your friends and give us a five-star rating in iTunes. It really helps us to stand out so other people can discover great content as well. Have a great week and God bless you. This is Chris Christensen, and back in 2006, I started a simple project, a project to try and introduce more people to the Bible through Bible study called the Bible Study Podcast. It's a simple name and a simple idea. Each week, every week, we study one chapter of the Bible, talk about what it says and what that might mean for us today. To listen now, go to lifeaudio.com or search for the Bible Study Podcast on your favorite podcast app.